cults are sort of like a spectrum, like a lot of things. And now, since coming out of Nixium, I look through a lens to make sure that what I'm getting involved in doesn't have that bad energy of a cult. Cults really run a range of that crazy that we're talking about all the way down to small one-on-one -on -one relationships. And people don't really recognize that. And when we look at some of the trends that are happening in society now, it's quite frightening, isn't it? It is, and I think anytime one person or group wants control, they're going to use these control-like tools. It's gonna to happen, and it's been happening. It's just now that we're starting to have the conversation about it. All of us are looking to really expand ourselves and what next. This gives you such a brilliant insight, as you said so beautifully. If you want to, okay, here's a really good starting place for where you can really go. Here is a glimmer of what might be coming in your life if you really work through these. I am absolutely delighted today to introduce back for the second time on my podcast, the Live Love Learn podcast, the wonderful Kelly Thiel. And before we really get going today, I just want to tell you all a little bit more about Kelly. For those of you that haven't seen our first interview, um, the link will be below. But Kelly is multi-talented. She's an accomplished author, speaker, voice actress, consultant, and the driving force behind Big Glorious. Kelly has spent her life seeking a feeling of completeness. I think we can all identify with that. A spiritual awakening that she was sure she would achieve. But no matter how many workshops she took, she never seemed to find the answer. I'm laughing here, Kelly. I can identify with this. <laughs> um, now, last time we really talked about Kelly's experience of escaping and what she's learned since leaving the Nexium cold. And she realized that the answers weren't outside of herself. She could only find them within. So at that time, Kelly, you published your first brilliant book, Unapologetically Glorious, which is very well used here. Um, and it really is. It's a best-selling memoir. It's hilariously funny at times, but it's brutally honest peek into your life and your journey. And now you've also created a book club guide to go along with this memoir, which is fantastic. Yeah. So your experience with Nexium became its own kind of awakening, facing the hard truth that you really needed to fight to take back control of your destiny, because as humans, we're vulnerable to those who prey on her on our power. And oh, my goodness, how how relevant is that? Kelly's work through Big Glorious focuses on the golden toolkit that we each carry within us. And by acknowledging our power and using the tools within us, we can improve our interaction with the world and with ourselves. I mean, we had such a lovely talk last time, Kelly, and we went on some very important issues. Um, so I'm really looking forward to having a catch up to see what's changed since that time. So how are you doing and what have you been up to? Well, I'm doing great. We are having a heat wave here and I'm upstairs in a little attic studio and it is hot. <laughs> So if I do this a lot, that's that's why. Um, I have um, been, actually right now, as we speak, I've taken a little bit of a break. So I gave myself about a three-month break uh, with no social media, really, or anything. I'm doing this show because I love you so much. Um, but I um, took some time to start, just sort of reevaluate where I was at. And I think it's like really important for people to do that once in a while. Take a breath and kind of think about, where you're at. So I'm doing that right now. And um, I'm planning on I have another project coming up. Um, when I get ready, uh, they're just kind of waiting for me to, to say yes to get going. Um, it will either be a project about my book or possibly a project that came about in the last few months that I really can't talk about. It doesn't have a lot to do with me at all, which is kind of what I like, because I'd really rather have a project that is more humanitarian in a way that's actually going to help people um, than what I kind of call a vanity project, which would be about my book, although I might be able to do both. So that's kind of where I'm, I'm at right now. That's so exciting. And I think, you know, you saying about taking a break, because you have been on such a journey since you really came very much into the public eye. I mean, obviously, you've been well known in the other areas of your work for a long while. But there's been a huge, huge interest in cults and cult behavior. I mean, we're seeing it all over the YouTube, all over the media. And I think because when you look at what's going on 
in the greater world, so to speak. And mm-hmm. even if you're not supposedly in a cult, there's so much cult-like behaviour affecting us yeah. in all areas of the society. And how have you seen, I mean, you've been on such a roller coaster since you've left Nexium and everything has blown up about that. What's your perception about, as society, what we have learned and how vulnerable we are to this behaviour? Yes, that's a great question. Prior to Nexium, I didn't know very much about cults at all. I considered a cult like Charles Manson or one of those, you know, crazy things that are in the news. So now I think having gone through the Nexium experience and spoken so much about it and learned so much about it from the professionals, you know, people who really understand the workings of cults, how to deprogram people, um, I have learned that the conversation is going to keep going for a long time. That's the first thing I learned. At first I thought, well, it's going to be one of those, a flash in the pan type thing. But as I see that cults really run a range of that crazy that we're talking about all the way down to small one-on-one relationships, you know, an abusive marriage or abusive friendship. And people don't really recognize that, but that really has cult-like behavior. And so cults are sort of like a spectrum like a lot of things. And now since coming out of Nixium, I look through a lens that always looks for cults. I'm not out there looking for cults, but yeah. I run everything I do through that lens to make sure that what I'm getting involved in doesn't have that bad energy of a cult. It doesn't have that possibility that there's control involved from someone else or I'm always checking myself for control as well. Am I trying to control the situation? Am I trying to control other people? Which is a normal human thing. We we do that. But I like to keep an eye on all of that. So I look at it in the big picture. And I think now that so many people are talking about cults, you see it in the news, you see people talking on YouTube, everywhere else, the conversation is coming home now. So people are able to see this in a much bigger picture. Is my church... Does that have cult like uh, spectrum in it? Hopefully not. But does my my school or my kids' friend group or whatever? So the conversation is a good one because it involves everything and it keeps people in a healthier situation if you can spot those degrees of cult like behavior. I couldn't agree with you more. And I again, like you, Kelly, I mean, until the last couple of years, I hadn't thought about cults at all. I really hadn't. And then with taking more of an interest in what's going on politically, globally, since the pandemic, etc., my whole worldview has really changed. And when you change that, I can now recognise so many circumstances from the past where I can recognise all these behavioural traits. Not only I can recognise it in work environments, I can recommend it a lot in some of the holistic therapy groups that I've been part yes. of. Things. And, mm-hmm. and the reason why I think it's so important is not to ever dramatize things, but to see where, to some extent, my feelings are, what the, the conclusion I've come to is to some extent, we're all mind controlled. We're mind controlled by the media. We're mind controlled by education systems, our upbringings. Now, That's part and parcel in some respects of being a human, but it can very easily, and I think it has for a lot of people, crossed over into something really, really damaging. And when we look at some of the trends that are happening in society now, it's quite frightening, isn't it? It is. And I think any time one person or group wants control, they're going to use these control-like tools. It's going to happen. And it's been happening forever. It's just now that we're starting to have the conversation about it and actually see. So in a way, all these cults coming up to the surface and all the you know interesting documentaries and everything that are happening around these is a good thing. I look at it as a very good thing where before I looked at it as, oh my gosh, oh, I hope this is, I can't wait till this is all over and passed. Well, it's not going to pass. I mean, the conversation may not be so much around cults, but like I said, it has been happening for a long time. And it's time that we all as individuals start to recognize these things and treat other people like human beings and recognize when we might be the ones wanting to control, maybe not in a cult-like way, but pull back on that way. This isn't really where, where I should be. This isn't my business. And I have no right to try to control this person. 
I love it. I absolutely love it. I just wanted to say that today's episode is sponsored by ASEA redox signaling molecules. Now, it comes in two forms, the liquid and the gel, plus there's a huge other product range for us. Um, but why did I start taking ASEA and why is it now an integral part of something that my whole family, both four-legged and two-legged, take every single day? Plus also something that all the clients I work with, again, four-legged and two-legged, it's number one on my priority list. Well, part of what I do, what I'm passionate about, is understanding the challenges that are affecting each and every one of us in today's modern living. Um, the more you know, the more sometimes you wish you didn't know, but the pollution in the air, in the water, in the food, um, the control of our minds, the propaganda. But one of the things that we can do is take back responsibility for our own health. Now, every single cell of our body, whether we're an animal, whether we're one of the dogs in the backgrounds or one of my plants, contain these redox signaling molecules. And cellular health and cellular communication is absolutely key, whether you want to get your body back in balance, whether you want to reverse the aging process, whether you want to address any particular challenges that you've got physically, emotionally, it all starts with healthy cells. If your liver cells are healthy, your liver's healthy. If your brain cells are healthy, your brain's healthy. But just like a mobile phone, most of us have got mobile phones that we we use on a routine basis now. But that mobile phone, regardless of whether you've got the latest model, is completely useless without a signal. So what does this technology do? Um, the the gel is something that you can apply topically over particular areas of concern, whether you want your skin to look better, whether you've got cellulite, whether you've got an area that's causing you a challenge. The liquid is something you drink each and every day to top up what should be in your cells anyway. But when our bodies are stressed, diseased, challenged, or as we age, we make less of them. So personally, I wouldn't be without it. My sleep's better. My energy levels are better. My mood's better. My mobility's better. If you want to find out more, the details are below. But I'm so grateful that this came into my life and I'm so grateful I can share it with others. I hope you love it as much as I do. Let me know. You mentioned that you'd had a bit of a break, a few months off uh, the break. Mm -hmm. And I think... There's so much learning that can happen when we give ourselves that time. I mean, what are some of the realizations that you've come to within that time for you personally? Well, first of all, uh, I have had the time to actually look at my relationships in my life. So that's been one thing that I've been doing. And I have had, I've done actually some soul searching. I'm so glad you asked this because uh, two nights ago, I actually was up all night. Uh, all night. I've never been up, I don't think all my life, all my all night and probably since my teens, but I was really struggling with a relationship. And that time that I took as hard as it was, I really came to some huge epiphanies about my responsibility in the relationship, as well as the other person. But I came to this place was like, look, I'm ready to own my part now, right? Because it's hard. It's there's it, so vulnerable to be in relationship with people. And so if I hadn't taken that time, I wouldn't have been able to take a whole night. Not that I chose to do that. It sort of just came up where I could knew that I would be okay the next day because I could sleep off and on the next day a little bit. And so that's one thing that's happened. And another thing that I've been able to do is really focus more on my family and kind of really check in in a big way as to where they are personally with themselves, with me, where we're at. So it's kind of like this big breath. Of like, okay, let's take a little inventory. Let's just settle down a little bit and just kind of see where everyone's at and what everybody needs so that when I'm ready to pull it back together again and move forward, I can do it with a, a full heart knowing that, you know, everything's sort of taken care of a little bit, including myself. I love it. Why do you think we find it so difficult to do that, to take that time to examine those? I mean, what you were saying there about really going deep on one of the important relationships in your life is mm -hmm. so challenging for people to do, isn't it? We, yes. It's so much easier to avoid it rather than do that. I mean, yes. oh, talk us through how, what, how have you come to that stage with all the work you've done? What little jewels can you give us? If people are thinking, do you know what? I know this resonates with me. I need to do it, but I, I'm avoiding it. Yeah. 
It's probably one of the toughest things about being human, I think, that I can think of. Um, But one of the things that I've learned over the years is responsibility. And that is taking responsibility for your own actions and your emotions and understanding when you're trying to control someone else's. And so if you truly want to do that, you can do it. It's very easy to do. It just feels very uncomfortable. And so practicing that, so practicing taking responsibility for everything around you that's yours um, makes it easier. And understanding that being vulnerable doesn't mean that you're less than. Mm. So if you and I don't agree on something, if I understand who I am and I'm okay even if you don't agree with me, or even if you get angry with me, if I know that going into a situation, then I can manage that situation and be okay and be vulnerable and tell the truth about what is happening for me or whatever. And so that way you can, the only way you can have a a relationship with someone that's true is with real honest communication. And that is what I've learned. I know it sounds trite, but that's what I'm, have learned and am still learning to do. And there is a fear in being vulnerable. It hurts. It's scary. There's a physical fear in being vulnerable, but you've got to know going into it, regardless of the reaction of the other person that you're going to be okay because you're okay with you because you can't control them. You can't control the outcome, but you're telling your truth or what have you with compassion. That's the other element. You have to have compassion for yourself and the other person. So there, it's a combination of things and it's practice, practice, practice. I love it. Scary. I mean, so many people that sort of watch my podcast or listen to the podcast, we're all on this journey of self-discovery, self-improvement, yeah. personal development, spiritual awakening, whatever labels mm-hmm. you want to put on it. And it's it's so important for us to enjoy the journey, isn't it? I mean, we can be mm-hmm. in such humans. We're, I think we can be such in such a rush to actually get there, achieve somewhere. And I don't think yeah. we're meant to be getting there. I mean, I th- my view is that, you know, when we leave this physical body, that's probably when we feel we've got there. So what have you learned about not rushing it, enjoying the journey? Well, I have learned that it, again, practice, you have to bring yourself back to the moment. So it's all about awareness, right? You have to be aware when you're not present. And that's a hard thing to do because when you're not present, you're not present. It's hard to be aware. So it's that constant reminder of being present. And back one step to what you're talking about during this time off, one thing I came across is called the gene keys. I don't remember if you and I discussed that or not. Briefly, I'm so pleased you brought that up. We did. Yeah, yeah. That's right. So the gene keys are an amazing tool that you can just go online you can download your information with basically your birthday and a few other things, and they'll send you a breakout of your gene keys. And it, it's very, it's pretty self-explanatory in terms of what they are, but they go very, very deep. And each gene, there are 64, each one has a shadow mm. where we mostly live. It has a gift. There's always a gift in a shadow. And then there's a city, S-I-D-D-H-I. It's an Indian word for, I think, essence. And so it has all th- each gene key has all three and he explains what all three of those are. Now you have to probably buy the companion book to break down each gene key, but on his Instagram, which is gene keys, just gene keys. He has an audio once a week where he does an uh, audio version of each gene key for about five or six days, which I've been listening to regularly. And I also have the book. So that has helped me to become more aware it's helped me to actually see who I am. I've never had a reading on it. They do offer that somewhere. Um, but I've just been using the book and listening to his audios. And there's, it's so spot on. And it helps you to understand. We live in the, our shadows all the time. We're living in our fear of each dinky that we live in. That just, fear drives us. Audible, yeah, I've been listening to it with Richard. Bryan, yeah. We do yes. this. Carry on. It's, it's so brilliant. The reason I'm laughing is because when we we were chatting offline and I was just really delving into the gene keys and you were as well. And, and uh-huh. it's so synchronistic, isn't it? Because the information is so accurate for my I opinion. have chills. Like, oh my gosh, yeah. It's so accurate and it's so helpful because it connects you with yourself and understanding. So if you want to take that responsibility for yourself, 
look at the gene keys the gene keys would point out exactly where your shadows are and where where if you want to do the work that's where you do it and then you find the gift in those in each shadow and when you find that gift it's like okay so this is what i can actually be and i can aspire to be the essence of that which is the highest image of that gene key it's a beautiful thing because each one of us are made up of 64 genes the 64 gene keys are made up like six the 64 in the i ching and so it all kind of comes together very holistically to, uh, in a breakdown of each personality and where if we want we can do it like we can we can focus on where our shortcomings are and our shadows are and we can get out of them it's, it's work though <laughs> that's so beautifully explained it really is and and this is why you know the, the age old saying for me you know when the student's ready the teacher will come and when the yes. student's really ready the teacher will disappear and it's going through I mean I've got a really good friend Namala um I've done some podcasts with her and she is a really brilliant sacred geometry practitioner oh, okay mm-hmm. oh my goodness she's amazing so I've been doing some work with her and when I did my gene keys, just a little free one that you can do online, I was laughing so much, Kelly, because it was identical to what she had picked up to read in my sacred geometry. I love it. Absolutely fascinating. And of course, these coincidences, they're there for a reason. And when you're ready to take yourself up to the next level. So what I love about it, what I've sort of taken from it so far, and I'm very much a beginner in it, you know, I've only started exploring it over the last month or two I've heard about it I've been listening to Richard Rudd's Rudd's podcast for a long while but I hadn't really delved into it for myself and I I'd so encourage people to do it because all of us are looking to really expand ourselves and what next and look if we've got these repeating patterns in our life or repeating behaviors etc this gives you such a brilliant insight as you said so beautifully if you want to Okay, here's a really good starting place for where you can really go. And actually, here is a glimmer of what might be coming in your life if you really work through these shadow sides of yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's it's actually a lot of fun. I find it, but it's a slow, it's a very slow go because it's not meant to be one and done. It's really yes. meant to, sort of a lifetime of learning about yourself. And what's great about... Um, um, what is his name again? Stephen Rudkin? No. Uh, Richard Rudd. R- Richard Rudd, excuse me. Yes. yes. What I love about him is he, and for me, that's so important about this is he is not a guru. Absolutely. He is not there to hold anyone's hand or tell anyone what to do. He's basically, here are these tools that I, that were downloaded and with, with him were for him somehow. I forget what, how he said it came about, but he's here to explore them and to share them and he use them. He says, and when you're done with them, be done with them. And that's what I really love. And so when we talk about those cult spotters I was talking about earlier, how I kind of see the world, I did a lot of looking at that first to make sure that he wasn't one of these gurus and I wasn't going to fall into another one of those situations. Because I go full bore into things when I get excited about them. Like a lot of people when I'm yeah. searching, I'm, oh, I found this great thing. But I was very careful because this is the first thing that I've really explored since getting out of the cult. And so um, I, I, I uh, verify, I think it's, it's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, no, I absolutely love it. And this is the beauty, I think, of the world. I mean, we talk quite a lot about the downside of modern technology, of social media, pressures on mm-hmm. the young ones, et cetera. And there are a lot of downsides to it. But uh, for me, any tool is not inherently good or bad. It's how it's being used and both everything can be used for the good or can be used for the bad and I think this is a beauty as you say it's like people can take and delve into it in as much detail as they want to and isn't that what life's about because everyone's at different stages and has got different availability different priorities but if you're being drawn to something yeah important to really sort of listen to that I mean have you well, I know, but you've really, really sort of been fine tuning your intuition a lot over the last few years, haven't you? Yes. Yeah, so I used to work in energy medicine. I was, I am a homeopath and I had a practice where I combined home, homeopathy with um, Reiki and some other things. And so at that time, which was a few years ago, <clears throat> prior to Nixium, I kind of got caught up a little bit in my own I want to say kind of ego around 
that being intuitive and everything else. And so after going through that experience, I started looking at my intuition very differently. We all have it. We all have intuition. And really, it's a matter of honing it now. It's not, a, it's not like this gift that some people have and some people don't. We all have it. And so now I'm much more fine-tuning that with practice and with intent, meaning my intent for intuition is about helping. It's about push, helping push someone further, myself or someone else, or helping in some way instead of, oh, I have this gift, I can read what's go- going to happen. And so there's a lot more responsibility that I have wrapped up in my intuition. And so my, my fine-tuning it and my honing it is all around the responsibility of it versus just having what I used to think was just a gift. I'm quite blown away with that because I can think of, I mean, it's so profound what you've just said there because so it's so easy for us humans to step into our ego. I mean, it's there mm-hmm. one time and obviously it's got a role. It's not that we want to get rid of it altogether. But what I'm seeing at the moment, and I've done a few interviews about it recently, is there's a huge amount of projection. Um, people are so concerned with putting their attention on other people Uh, which is what I would view as quite a displacement activity in terms of, you know, because it stops us really looking at ourselves. And what you were saying there about using the intent behind the intuition, that can be applied to so many areas when we're looking at so many situations and how we judge others and how we judge ourselves and how we show up on a daily basis for those in our lives. I mean, that's really huge. Yeah. I mean, my ego pops up all the time, like, all the time. And I have to constantly keep it in check. It's like, again, that's that awareness and that practice of constantly looking at myself from the outside in and realizing, oh, there it is again, check and let's try something else. Um, Because ego is a human thing. It's just there. And you have to work. I feel like you have to work around it. And so um, that's a practice, you know, and I'll always be practicing on that. Yeah. A lot of people, you know, if they're working on themselves, they can get really, really frustrated because they perceive that other people and loved ones and family members, whatever it might be, friends, are not doing the same. Yeah, I think, you know, there's a lot of judgment that goes into spirituality. <laughs> and uh, because, but that in itself, that's like an oxymoron, right? To be in, To be a spiritual person does not really judgment as much so I think we all get kind of caught up on making ourselves better for ourselves but then we see other people not doing the work or whatever and that's all part of working on yourself is understanding that everyone's in a different place for a different reason and having the compassion to understand that they're not less than they're just in a different place so one thing that I like to do especially when I was working with people a lot because judgment will come up Um, is to put myself outside of myself and look at the situation and understand this person in this area might be in kindergarten right now. Mm. And maybe I'm in 10th grade and that's why we're talking. I'm trying to help. Or even in a friendship, maybe in this person's in second grade in this situation, or maybe I'm in second grade and this person's in, you know, high school. Mm. And hopefully they'll lend me that same compassion. But I try to, meet people where they are without making myself in that place, right? So if someone's in, let's say, second grade, and I want to meet them there, it doesn't mean I become a second grader too. It means that I understand what it was like to be in second grade. And then I try to help from that place of having a little more wisdom in that area, perhaps, than that person and try to help. Because if I lower myself down to being a second grader, then you have a playground, whatever, you know, something not nice maybe going on. And so I've had to learn that the hard way um, because I need to keep myself in my own integrity at all times, but I can still meet people where they're at. And that's been a very confusing thing for me until uh, fairly recently. Yeah, I've got to be honest, I'm still working through that. And what I find is um, my resilience for things like that, when I'm feeling really well balanced in my physical health, Mm -hmm. 
my sleep's on point, when I've been sort of doing my good habits and things, I find it really, really easy. Mm -hmm. And then when I've let myself slip, like, uh, you know, I can fall off track. But the difference is now I notice it a lot quicker. I can see it in myself and I know it's me, even Mm -hmm. if I respond in ways that I might think better about differently. And I think for me, I think also having a sense of humor around it as well. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's nothing more boring than trying to be perfect, you know, although I do have got the best ponies ever and I did say to my daughter that I was thinking of changing Romeo's name to Perfect Peter because Romeo's perfect but what I love in all seriousness is, is those of us that have relationships with animals for example you know our cats our dogs our horses our rabbits whatever it might be your relationship you've got we view them with such a different pair of eyes I think to often how we deal with humans I'm so much more tolerant if it's furry <laughs> um, and then if with humans sometimes um, you know, we see the conversations that are going on now about politicians and celebrities and and AI and all these different things. And it can be overwhelming to people. But when you take it back to yourself and how you're responding to the situation, a lot of these mm-hmm. things disappear, don't they? Oh, yes. If you take responsibility for your stuff, you can no longer blame the other person. It doesn't really work. I mean... Because if you're blaming, then you're not looking at your responsibility. It's a very interesting thing because if I take responsibility for my part and whatever, even if it's only 10%, usually it's a little like 50-50, but let's just say it's only 10%. Then if I'm like, oh yeah, okay, that was mine, then it's really hard for me to blame the other person because that's their stuff. And But I did my stuff too. So then it, it becomes a little more on equal playing ground. And then it's easier, I think, to work from a place of let's see how we can fix this versus you did something wrong. Yeah. It's a totally different thing. Yeah. I'm not going to let my husband watch this though. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Oh my God. I I do have to laugh because we've just had someone around look at doing some work and I've just thought, Oh mm, yeah, perhaps I didn't handle that one quite so well when I was (laughs) thinking about what my husband would do in a Percy say. I think this is the fun thing. It's like looking at these relationships and saying, well, Oh, okay. Yeah. I can absolutely see my responsibility in this. And, you know, we all talk Kelly, don't we about, um, you know, creating a better world, wanting things to be different in our external environment, but, the crux of the matter is is all these ancient teachings all the spiritual teachings whatever it is you want to look at the messages are all the same aren't we it's all mm-hmm. about our feeling inside it's mm-hmm. sickly sim- simple really yeah it's very very simple I mean uh, my favorite uh person he's no longer here I never got to meet him so it's one of my regrets but I do feel like he's around it's interesting it was Ram Das. oh yeah love and, it mm. and one of the things that he said was we are all just walking each other home. Yeah, well, our mutual friend Bryce, that's one of her favourite sort of sayings. And it's so true. Yeah. We remember that in times of challenge when we're being triggered by something. It would just be so much easier. We'd all get along so yeah. much better because we can feel when someone's judging us, can't we? You know, it's really yeah. obvious if we feel in that judgment, which then will affect how we respond back if we haven't done the work. And then you get into this cycle of reaction um, that isn't good for anyone. And particularly those of us yeah. that are parents, you know, at the end of the day, yeah. there to actually at least try and be the adults in the family. <laughs> and it, it doesn't feel good when you're judging, at least for me. I don't feel good when I'm judging. I'll do it anyway because sometimes like a five-year-old, you know, you get caught in the in the action and you don't know how to get out of it sometimes, you know, so you continue on with the action. And But that judgment does not feel good. There's no, no way. It doesn't. And uh, But like I said, sometimes we don't know what to do. So that's why I love to grab that tool of looking at my responsibility and saying, okay, what part's mine? And then it <clears throat> becomes a little easier. Yeah, absolutely. So when people, <clears throat> the other thing that I think is a big learning curve for me is the not taking things personally. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Again, 
it can be really good when you're feeling really on top of your game. And and uh-huh. you know, me personally, I think there's such a link between how I'm feeling physically and how that I therefore respond emotionally. And when I'm doing all my good habits and, you know, eating clean, et cetera, it's so much easier. But they're not taking things personally. Again, it can set off this chain reaction of, of bringing things into your life that you don't want. Got any tips for us on that one? Well, the first one would be taking care of yourself, enough sleep and what you were just saying, because that is part of our responsibility so that we are in the world in a way that's whole, so that we can be the best of ourselves. And so, you know, it's very difficult not to take things personally. But again, that reminder to yourself that it's not personal. Whatever that person is saying is really a projection of their, whatever's going on inside for them. And we don't know. And so- that for me is my reminder is just every time that happens, I don't know what's going on with this person. I have no idea what they've been through, what their story is. It could have just lost their mother. Who knows? Mm. Um, so I'm not going to take it personally. And also, if you know who you are and you're a fairly whole person, it's pretty easy not to take it personally and without judgment. It's just like, okay, that's yeah. how you're seeing things. Okay. And you let it be that. So it's not trying to control the other person's uh, outcome or perception or anything like that. And it is a practice not to take things personally. It is such a practice. Yeah. It really is. And it makes me laugh. It's like, you know, some of the things that that people might say or comments they might make, they're so ridiculous. I can just laugh at them. And, <laughs> and what I sort of take it, realize is the ones that touch a nerve are because actually they have touched on something that I I recognize as, you know, having some degree of truth in it sometimes. So you can use it as quite a good learning mm-hmm. experience, can't you, as well, after you've slept. That's a, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's an excellent point, right? It's like, if one thing I would tell my clients all the time is when I'm doing a reading, for example, and something they feel something in their body. Like if I say the sky is blue and they're like, okay, the sky is blue. And there's just like, okay, there it is. But if I say something that has a trigger in it, it's up to them to decide if that is true for them or not. Right. So the body will tell you when something's going on, when there's a, a truth or not. Right. And so if I say something that triggers the, the person, then maybe it's something they sh- could want to think about looking at. Right. They don't have to, but let's maybe look at that. And so same thing with a a personal relationship. If you feel triggered by something someone said, that triggers most likely something that's important to you in some way that needs probably needs to be looked at, right? There's some truth in there. And so that's such a great, yeah, I'm so glad you said that. Yeah, I laugh about these things because just because I know them doesn't mean I do them. (laughs) I do sometimes, (laughs) well, and other times I don't. So, and I'm, I'm quite happy with that. So- um, it's a learning curve. In terms of happiness, mm-hmm. again, it's a big thing for people. There's a lot of talk about happiness mm-hmm. now and how people find happiness. Where are you at with that at the moment? For you know, like- I've struggled my whole life with happiness. Like, what is happiness, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so recently, I kind of came to the conclusion that happiness is really contentment with mm-hmm. what is right now that's happiness, right? It doesn't mean that everything's great. It's just finding contentment somehow in the moment of what is. Mm. And because we're never going to be happy all the time. I used to be doing things and happy, happy, happy. And then I'd have a lull and I wouldn't feel happy. And I think something was wrong. And then I would get depressed. And it was like this cycle, constant cycle. And, um, you know, I did uh, some microdosing, um, a, a series with, with a practitioner after my exit from Nixium. And one of the things that the the mushrooms taught me, because it is a plant energy, it's a plant medicine with its own intelligence. Really what it taught me was that happiness isn't even real. Like it's it's a it's a inside ourself perception of what's going on and our judgment on what that is. So you could be sitting in a locked up room with no windows and you could find contentment in there somehow it's up to you you could find contentment so not that anybody I probably wouldn't be able to but I mean it's possible so I think that is what I really learned about happiness is that it's it's a it's a matter of finding that in the moment 
it's such an abstract thing, isn't it? It's like temperature. It's like I feel the cold a lot more than my husband does. So, you know, if you say, where's the line between hot and cold? It's exactly the same with happiness. You know, where's the line between happy and not happy? It's Mm -hmm. a choice. And and I can really see how all these things that used to sort of be quite frustrating when people say happiness was a choice. I'm now like, oh, yeah, you're right. (laughs) It is. It really is. It is. It is a choice. And and I think that uh, we all have so much to be content about if we find what it is that makes us content, right? It, I can be content just sitting by myself with a cup of tea and think, this is it. This is amazing, right? And I'm doing nothing. I might be sitting with my dog and my cat and my book. And well, that is actual happiness, I think. That really is happiness. <laughs> that is heaven, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that is actual happiness, though. I know, it really is. And I do think cats and dogs in their completely different ways can teach us so much about contentment, about boundaries, about, Mm -hmm. you know, unconditional love. You know, our dogs, you know, every time we still laugh, you know, every single day when you take them out for a walk, it's like the first walk they've ever been on, that pure unadulterated joy. And cats just can find contentment anywhere. It's just amazing. Oh, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, they can. Amazing. Yeah. So so what are some of your non-negotiables that you've learned for you personally to keep yourself where you want to be? Sort of any habits, any practices that you really think really work for you? Well, first of all, sleep. Mm. Non-negotiable. I I get eight hours, sometimes nine, no less, no less than seven ever. Um, that's a non-negotiable for me. Um, uh, alone time is also non-negotiable. I have to have a certain amount, not a lot, but I have to have a certain amount of, of time by myself. And um, another thing non-negotiable for me would be, you know, boundaries with mm-hmm. people. And I think, you know, I, I probably have a lot of non-negotiables. <laughs> but I also have non-negotiable in my family is how we treat people inside our family and outside our family. That's a non-negotiable that uh, needs to be, people need to be treated like human beings, regardless of where they come from, regardless of uh, their circumstances, regardless of whatever, who they are, it doesn't matter. They deserve to be treated like human beings. And that's a non-negotiable for sure. In my family, um, there's a lot more, but those yeah. are my main, I think that I really stick to. It's really important, do you think, for people to find their non-negotiables because, you know, so much time we don't give enough thought to that, but it can really transform your life. I never thought about it before, ever. It's the first time anyone's ever asked me, and it's a very good question. Um, I probably have, like I said, too many, but um, that might be something I want to look at too. <laughs> but well, I, I don't think, know. I don't, can yeah. you have any? I don't know. I don't know. I'd have to think about that. Yeah. I think that it's a great question because that the non-negotiables drive who you are and your day and what you're, you will, what is okay and what's not. And your it drives your morals and ethics as well. Mm. So yeah, that's a great question. So the final question, cause I'm conscious of time. I really could speak to you all day. Um, but I, I think with the experiences you've been through, you've been through something that's quite unique in terms of your Nexium experience and then the public, um, you know, recognition of that and what was going on and everything and then how you've dealt with it and the documentaries. Um, do you feel that people can change, that people can really change? Do you feel that people that have done bad things can turn over a new leaf and really mean it? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think anyone can, if they choose to, Mm. you have, it's a choice. You absolutely have to choose. Now, are there people who I feel less likely can, Mm. would do that or choose to do it? Absolutely. But I, I believe as a human being, we're given the tools to, to make those choices. If we choose to be a good person, that's what I, I truly believe that. I love it. And the reason I ask that question is um so without mentioning names i've seen quite a lot of people who you know people that might be uh more public about certain things and people have almost like a leopard never changes their spots but i have personally seen in my own life 
people that have had difficult situations they've gone through that might have resulted them. It's not an excuse, but a definite contributor to them act in certain mm-hmm. ways, make remarkable transformations yeah. in how they've chosen to live their life and the good that they've done. And so that's why I sort of ask that, because sometimes it can be quite hard to, to sort of, we talk about being in the present moment a lot, but actually when it comes to people that we've got a past relationship with or a past perception of, whether we know them in person or whether they're just a public figure, can be really hard to look at who they are right here, right now. Yeah, and I think if you can try someone on, you know, and that actually I I think came from Nixium. I think I learned that in Nixium. So there were a few things in there. One thing not negotiable would be no more cults just fyi but um the trying someone on is is like i have to find a probably a different phrase for that but being able to step into someone's shoes in their life for a minute not actually you can't actually do it but you can imagine what it might be like and so when you can do that and you see someone a public figure what have you've been through some crazy stuff it's so easy to judge but if you can step into their how possibly you might have fallen into the same role or how I, how you might have made the same choices. It's a lot easier to see that person as a human being and to not judge as much and to find a pathway, even in your head for them as a way forward. So you almost like give them energetically, you're giving them the space because you're not judging them to move forward in your head. So it's kind of a beautiful thing when you think about it, if we all did that, and made space for people to be their best selves and move forward in a, in a better way, the world could be a different place. I so agree with you, particularly with what you said earlier about the boundaries as well, because it doesn't, uh, when we're saying that, we're absolutely not talking about letting people, uh, giving people excuses or enabling them to behave badly, quite the opposite, giving people an opportunity to change. And if they choose yes. not to, then that's a completely different matter you know, but actually, I think it's something I've been thinking a lot more about recently. And sometimes, you know, we've seen a lot of divisions in families over the last year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's very hard with the, the, mm-hmm. the family are the ones that often teach us the most in terms of how much we are prepared to see people for where they're at now. And mm-hmm. in a judgmental way. So we have to keep reminding ourselves, it's all lessons. It's all lessons. And uh, <laughs> Yeah, and and just enjoy the journey and have a bit of fun with it with yourself and with everything you're going through along the way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's so, it's fun, you know. It's a fun it's a fun journey if you can accept that it's not going to be easy. Yeah, it's just not for anybody. It doesn't matter who they are. It's not an easy journey, but it can be really fun when you when you play with it and just sort of look at how how funny or how ridiculously weird this is and just go with it and then you know of course you're making choices all the time every minute you're making choices you have to be aware of what choices you are making and the repercussions of those choices yeah but opening up that energetic field of possibility and understanding what's the best choice for everyone in this moment you know you can go really far you really can it it is all about those choices and it's all about, you know, where do you want to go? Do you want to really move forward in your life? You know, one of my other guests was saying, you know, you literally are, you're either going backwards or you're moving forward. The one thing that's mm-hmm. constant is change. So it's sort of mm-hmm. some ownership and responsibility for that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you so much, Kelly. I really, really, really love speaking to you. I can't wait till you're next in the UK so we can actually meet up in person. Okay. Or perhaps I'll be over near you sometime. Who knows? Who knows what the future holds? Are there any final sort of things that you want to leave anyone with for today? Um, Not in particular. I think we covered so much today. But just I think uh, really not being so hard on yourself. You know, people are so hard on themselves. And this is a tough gig down here <laughs> and just not being so hard on yourself and and perfection isn't accessible it just isn't but perfectly imperfect is and seeing yourself that way and you know you make a mistake gosh darn it I'm ugh, I made a mistake you know but it's okay I'm human and just move on and I think that that is what I'd like to leave everyone with and 
this book. <laughs> oh, you can't go without. Please tell everyone about this book because Kelly was oh, telling me this. Can you see it? It's going out, getting that. So read the title called, for everyone. It's called The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue. And it's a fabulous book about a girl from the um, 1700s in France. And she makes a deal with the devil unknowingly. And she ends up becoming immortal. And not only is she immortal, but no one remembers her. So if she walks into a room, people will engage with her. And the moment she leaves the room, they forget she was ever there. And her whole she wants so badly to be remembered. So she's trying to make a, a mark on the world somehow, and she can't. So over the span of 300 years to present day New York City, where she meets a boy who um, remembers her. And she they, they come together and they form a pact. And I won't tell you anymore because I don't want to give it away. But the great thing about this book is that she is in relationship with the devil. So not in a, it's just in relationship in a way that she's trying to survive these 300 years. And it's, it's a fascinating book. It's just, it's fascinating and it ends really well. So I love this book. I'm going to, I need something different to read. I'm going to go straight out and get that, but we can't leave without saying the other book that everyone needs to get all the links to Kelly will know will be below, but I can honestly say this book is brilliant and I'm not just flattering mm-hmm. Kelly, I promise you, but I was in hysterics reading this book I was in tears reading this book I could identify with so much of what you were discussing there it was absolutely brilliant and um well done you well done you because it's really really brave to write a book like that I I I really is hats off to you because it is really raw it's really honest and there's so much we can all get from it so thank you so much oh thank you thank you so much this was awesome Oh, it's so lovely. We hope you've all enjoyed it as much as we have. And um, thank you so much for everyone for listening. And I'm sure we will be, be back with another one in the not too distant future. Thank you so much, Kelly. Bye. Thank Bye. you. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation. And I hope there's at least one thing that you can take away and apply to your own life or to the lives of your animals. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. And if you feel inspired, please do share with your friends and family. My goal is to inspire as many people as I can to live their best lives, to stay curious and to raise their consciousness and that of the collective. So to do this, I need to reach as many people as possible and this needs your help. If you feel drawn, would you be willing to share your favourite episode with five different people? This helps us spread the word and also helps me encourage some exciting new guests to take part in this podcast. If you feel drawn to do that, I will be very, very grateful. All the links and discount codes where applicable for all the products that I support are on my two websites, katherineedwards.life and katherineedwardsacademy.com. All of the products are personally tried and tested by me, my family and my clients. And finally, please do press the follow or subscribe button, depending which platform you're listening on. And above all, stay curious and stay free. Stay free.